This is WJR's Business Biography. Now here's your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome to WJR's Business Biography, today featuring the Farbman Group, the storied full-service commercial real estate firm handling all facets of commercial real estate transactions for its clientele and for itself, from property management and leasing to acquisition and disposition. The firm was founded in 1976 by Bert Farbman, a man with the DNA of entrepreneurship in his genes. Today, the firm manages more than 25 million square feet of office, retail, and industrial space throughout the Midwest. How does success this big get achieved? How does it happen? Well, here with us today to tell the story of this great company and its trajectory to massive success, as well as to tell us a little bit about himself and how it came to be that he is now going on 30 years with the company starting in the financial department and working his way all the way up the proverbial corporate ladder to become president. The leadership position he holds today, Andy Gutman. He oversees assets worth billions of dollars, manages the Farbman team of over 200 strong, and does it all in a style that makes him uniquely qualified for his role. As we'll find out from Andy himself, he leads with a focus on people, process, and the community all while remaining committed to maintaining a strong corporate culture in which ethics, integrity, and inclusion are centrals to the company's values. We'll also get a glimpse into what makes the company's president a really interesting guy that goes way beyond his role as president at the Farman Group. Andy, there's no doubt you are indeed, as I said, a really interesting guy. You're accomplished in your role in business, leading such a great company, but your interests go way beyond that as well. We'll get to all that in a minute. Before we do, however, tell us about the history of the Farben Group, how it was founded, who's been behind it. Give us the backstory on the genesis of this now uniquely successful company. Yeah, so the Farben Group was founded about 46 years ago by Bert Farben. He was a uh, real estate broker with another iconic commercial real estate company, And he had this great vision of creating a company. A lot of real estate companies at the time, they would do one aspect of real estate. One would be a brokerage house. The other would be a property management company. Another did construction. None of them did it all. And Bert had this vision in his mind of creating a company where any customer could come in and it would be a one-stop shop. And it didn't mean you had to use all the services, but you never had to go to five different places to get all the services you need. And so Bert, he was a self-starter. He came up from nothing. He had, uh, you know, he was he was a broker at the time, and you know, he always says he had a couple of nickels to rub together, and started from scratch and created this iconic company where we provide full-service commercial real estate solutions, where we have a Midwest expertise and a global reach, and it started 46 years ago in you know the mind of a hardworking, self-made, roll-up-your-shirt-sleeve kind of guy who is a legend in our industry. Yeah, it's an amazing company. It really is. When Bert first had the vision for the company, this idea of providing full service to the customer, tell me first who the typical customer was at the time or still is today. I don't know if they're one and the same. And what the services were that he envisioned that they needed, he wanted to provide as a full suite. Yeah. So, you know, the nice thing about commercial real estate is it touches everyone's lives. Our customers are pretty much everybody. Everyone has a need for it, whether you need office space, retail, industrial, you need self-storage. So his vision was to be there for everybody. When you say everybody, you mean businesses, business clientele. I mean, every individual, every business, everyone. 
But I mean, an individual doesn't rent out an industrial space or a... So here's the cool part, is that a lot of times our initial contact with someone comes from the individual that we meet here out at dinner and someone works for a company that needs industrial space or they're part of an organization that needs retail space or office space. And it starts with that person. And the great thing about what we do is we focus on and cater to those individuals that form a company. A company is nothing but a documented paper that says, you know, this is who we are, but it's the individuals. And that, that was his vision was, I want to be able to provide those services to the individuals. Interesting. Very relationship-oriented, still in vogue today. He was so ahead of his time in that because we're a relationship-based company. We don't go for the quick dollar. We're not looking to do a one-time transaction. We want people to remember us today and then five years from now when they need different assistance. And so it's kind of a really, it's a really cool thing because we've created this organization that is almost 30 million square feet of commercial real estate across the Midwest. We do deals all over the world. And it started with this young Bert Farbman and since then has handed it to both of his sons at one time have run the organization. Uh, his eldest son, David, ran it, and he's our serial entrepreneur and just an amazing, brilliant strategist in mind. And his youngest son, Andy, runs that as our CEO nowadays out of our Chicago office. And uh, he is probably the most brilliant acquisition person in buying and selling real estate I've ever seen. It's in their DNA. It's in their DNA. Yeah. Going back to the services, give us an idea of what some of the services were that are critical or still are today. Yeah, so, you know, Bert as a broker found a lot of his transactions would start in the brokerage area where he'd lease property or he'd sell property, working either for the landlord or for the tenant, for the buyer or the seller. And it usually started with that. And then at times, you know, he'd sell a property and that owner would say, you know, the purchaser would say, I don't really know how to manage that. And that's something where Bert would say, well, we can offer you that. We can manage that for you. And then at some point, you'd have to build out a space for tenants. And the tenants need construction. And so Bert would be there to help them with construction. And so it really was a one-stop shop where anything you needed could be done. And, and over the years, we've expanded it. We've got a robust investment sales division. We do development. We just formed a heating and cooling company a few years back because we felt like industry wasn't being well taken care of and our clients weren't getting that top-level service. So we bring it in-house. We believe we're full service. And then over time, we find one little thing we don't do that we're like, we should really do that for our clients. In their DNA, from Bert, the founder and father of David and Andy, to his sons, the entrepreneurial energy runs deep in this family and the spirit and drive to succeed, the supreme level of ambition that all great entrepreneurs seem to possess ignited the founding of this great company and fueled its massive growth. And the ability to know the power of plugging in the right team members at the right time to address critical needs for a growing company, well, this also seems to be a hallmark of all great entrepreneurs. And such is the story of adding Andy Gutman to the team at the Farman Group and how that was a key move. We're joined today by Andy himself, and when we come back, we'll hear more about him his background, how he joined the company, and the critical role he plays today as its president. You're listening to WJR's Business Biography, back with more of our featured entrepreneurial success story of the Farman Group, right after this break.
Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Today, we're featuring the entrepreneurial success story of the Farman Group, as told by its current president, Andy Gutman. Andy, you've provided us with the story of the founding of the Farman Group, how Bert Farman made that happen, and more about the founder himself, as well as his two sons, David and Andy. Tell us about you and your background and how all of that led to being positioned now as a key member of the Farman team. So I grew up in Southfield, Michigan. I'm a hometown guy. I live in Novi these days. I'm a Michigan State Spartan and uh, feeling Spartan strong these days with all that's going on up there. But, you know, I really started in commercial real estate by accident, which is how a lot of people get into it. I graduated in, uh, I shouldn't say the date because it ages me, but 1991. And at the time, uh, I was planning on becoming a CPA. And I graduated and there weren't a lot of jobs. We were in recession. And I tripped into a commercial real estate accounting position with a local company. And I fell in love with real estate and realized, man, I don't love accounting, but I love commercial real estate. And after a few years at the company, I interviewed with Farbman and I was looking you know, for a change, something different. And at the same time, I interviewed with an international company and Farbman was considering creating a position and they weren't sure yet. So they were interviewing people. Ultimately, they didn't make me an offer at that time. And I went with this international company. And a year later, I got a call from the Farbman group and they said, hey, Bert Farbman would like to meet you. And are you still interested in talking to us? And I said, you know, I, I took a job. I'm not really sure that, you know, that I'm ready for another move. But, you know, it's Bert Farbman. He's, he's a legend. How do I turn down a conversation? And what I found is a couple of things that I really loved. First of all, anyone who is a real candidate for a, an employment job, he would meet with them, no matter how small the company was to start with or how big it got. You couldn't be hired unless you met with the CEO of Farbman Group. And I thought, what a brilliant thing, because you're talking about culture and you're talking about you know, an organization, and it really is about engaging the person. So I got this great opportunity to meet with him, and he, it was 15 minutes of time. It couldn't have been more than that, but it felt like he gave me an eternity of his time. And I walked out of there pretty much ready to beg him to come work for this man, and I didn't. I, you know, I kept my cool and composure at the moment, but he was such an amazing person, and his love of the city of Detroit, his love of real estate, and his clients— and his family, it all, within 15 minutes, I knew there was nowhere else I wanted to work. And I just, at that time, I was waiting by the phone for that call to come work for him. And I ultimately got a job offer. And, uh, you know, I've been there over 27 years now. The rest is history. Let me first make a statement and just get your view on this. It seems that the accounting industry is a great way to find inroad into bigger opportunity in business. First, the education. Number two, the experience you get by working with clients. And then third, the introductions, you know, the contacts you make by being in that business. I think you're absolutely right. And, and I try to tell people that understanding the accounting side of it makes a world of difference. If you get that and you can take that knowledge and apply it to business, a lot of accountants go on to hold not only the CFO position in, in companies, but COO, CEO, because they've got that deep knowledge of the financials and understanding that can take you anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And so when you were hired in, when you got that call from Bert, that thrilling call, no doubt, and you were going to make a change from where you were working with the international company to coming on board at Farman, what was the first job you took there? 
I became a senior financial analyst. So my first role with them was there's a part of commercial real estate called common area maintenance, where the tenants pay for their share of upkeep of those areas that they, you know, they walk through and they live in. So conference rooms, parking lots, et cetera. And you build back to that. And my job was to create a system for that, for the company. And so I, I took that from scratch and built that for the company. And about a year in, the, the CFO at the time took notice of me and I was able to, to go to work for him and, uh, you know, sort of worked my way up the ladder from senior financial analyst to VP of finance to CFO and to president after that. When did you take the role of president of the company? Uh, it's been about 10 years now, maybe longer. Okay, so the path from first job there at Fireman to being the president took how long? About 17 years. 17 years. So you worked your way up the ladder, as you said, made your way to the corner office of the president <laughs> of the company. I think a lot of us hear titles like CEO, president, chairman, and they can mean different things for different companies. In your role as president of the Furman Company, what were and continue to this day to be the responsibilities? Yes, yeah, so you know, the one thing that I, I want to mention with that, one of the things that I'm not a big fan of is titles, because I think they change the perception of how people deal with you. And so, you know, we're a very flat org chart there. You know, we like to say, oh, you know, I worked my way into a role like president. But, I, you know, the reality is that I've worked my way into different opportunities to serve the company. And I kind of like that as a way of, you know, speaking about what I do. But in my day-to-day -day now, in my position, I oversee our owned assets. So everything that, you know, Farbman has at least 1% of or more in a property or company. And I oversee our organization. So every one of our Farbman organizations, we have quite a few companies underneath that. And so those are the two things. So I'm, I'm really responsible for the day-to-day -day culture of our organization. And who do you, if you will, and I understand you just mentioned you have a flat org chart, but you must report to somebody, so. I report to anyone named Farbman, <laughs> and I'm accountable daily to every one of the employees as well, but uh, my bosses all have the, the name Farbman to them, and it's an honor to really work for such an amazing family. Bert is retired. He retired, it's got to be 15 years ago, and handed the reins to his kids, but, you know, when people ask me if he's active, I will tell you this, that I, you know, I speak to Bert from time to time. It used to be that when he first retired, he was very engaged on a day-to-day -day basis. Anytime I talk to him, he still knows to the penny where his property should be. He gives amazing advice and uh, is still a, an amazing mentor to me and everyone else in the organization. No one ever really retires when it's a family business. Yeah, that's true, especially a guy like that. Absolutely. You can just tell it's probably hard to get him to step outside the door. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm sure he wants to be right there, right in the middle of it all. Tell me how the business of the company today mirrors the original founding vision for the company. Is it pretty much the same? And if it has changed, how has it changed? So, you know, the same basic principles that it was founded on still apply today. It was started as a very small organization with a handful of people. But, you know, the client focus, we are so very focused on making sure that we take good care of our clients and the relationship focus is still a part of it. You know, I like to tell people we have the capabilities of an institutional quality organization with a family mentality. And so the people mean a lot. That never went away. And so I love the fact that there's, there's not a thing we can't do in our industry. And yet at the same time, 
Every single one of those employees whose lives we're entrusted with are important to us, just like they were on day one. And I think that's a, a great thing to be able to say. Is the company still largely and significantly in the same line of business it was in when Burt founded it? Yeah, so it's in the uh, same business itself. Commercial real estate is still our key focus and full-service commercial solutions. But what's different and what's changed over time is we went from being just a Michigan and Detroit-based organization to being Midwest in many of our functions. And we love the Midwest because you can go from state to state and the people are pretty much the same and it's, you know, uh, the real estate, you get it, you know. But we also do deals from a brokerage standpoint on a global basis. And so that's what's changed in a big way is where, you know, Michigan is still our largest state, followed by Illinois and Ohio and all the others behind that, Indiana, Minnesota, and so on. And then, of course, the ability to take our clients anywhere they need to go in the globe is a big difference from day one. And the size of the company today? So we tend to define ourselves in terms of square footage under management and square footage that we uh, own. And so we're about 29 million plus square feet of commercial real estate that's owned and managed at the Farbman Group. You know, when we started out, there was uh, a handful of small buildings that were owned and managed and uh, worked its way from there. And the nice thing, the really cool thing about uh, the Farbman Group is we still have that first small little retail center that Bert Farbman bought 46 years ago. It's in our portfolio. And he was a buy and hold guy. And uh, so I love seeing that. And at the same time, I love the million square foot building that we buy and, and take care of nowadays as well. You're listening to the story of the founding and dynamic growth of the Farman Group right here on WJR's Business Biography. We're going to head to a quick break. When we come back, we'll learn more about the company's crown jewel assets that in its real estate holdings portfolio. We've got Andy Gutman with us today. He's the current president of the Farman Group. We'll be back with more in just a minute. Stick with us. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Slow. Welcome to today's featured story. We're joined today by Andy Gutman, president of the Farman Group, a mega full-service commercial real estate firm handling all facets of commercial real estate transactions from property management and leasing to acquisition and disposition. That company, founded in 1976 by Burt Farman, now led by his two sons, David and Andy, along with company president, Andy Gutman. And of course, he's here with us today. Andy, those of us who get to dabble in real estate, whether it's buying and managing a rental property of one kind or another, or flipping houses or whatever, when we get involved in real estate, the Farman Group is the other end of the spectrum. This is a huge company. We want to hear about the company's portfolio of what amounts to billions in real estate assets. We want to hear about some of the crown jewels. I think it's also interesting, you guys held on to the original retail space that Burt Farman bought at the founding of the company. I think that's amazing that you guys have held on to the property. Tell us about some of the crown jewels in the portfolio. Yeah, so, you know, over the years, we've held some really amazing assets, including what was known as the Old Wayne County Building, which is uh, 600 Randolph, one of the most iconic and beautiful buildings in the city of Detroit. If you took out a map of the city of Detroit, there's probably not many buildings that we haven't managed over our 46 years, so we love the city. Some of the assets we hold nowadays, New Center One in Midtown is a beautiful half-million-square-foot, gorgeous asset built for General Motors and a, an international company. 
back in the 80s. We're actually in the process of redoing the atrium of it right now. But we've got assets all throughout the Midwest. We just bought uh, 100 North LaSalle in the Loop in Chicago. Gorgeous asset right across from City Hall. 600 West Jackson in Chicago is another newer one in our portfolio that we just purchased recently. And so we've got a number of them. You could go state to state, and I could name a lot of them that are just gorgeous, iconic assets. You know, a lot of people don't understand the key mechanics of the business. You talk about buying and holding an asset, owning an asset and operating it, and you talk about managing assets for others. Fair to say those are two key buckets of the business, right? Yes. And so let's break those down. When a company, for those people listening that might not understand this business intuitively, the way you make money in this business, in each of those buckets, and the first bucket of buying and operating a business, it's buy low, upgrade it, operate it effectively, prove the positive financials associated with owning and operating the property, and then ultimately either continue to operate it and take distributions from it or to resell it, right? Is that the basic model? So there's a lot of different ways that people buy and a lot of different asset classes. So each one varies. Some of them are buy and hold. You know, you hold them for the cash flow. Others like office in particular is one of those segments that you make your money on the purchase. You hopefully you buy low, like you said. And then as you lease up and it gains value, whether through momentum or the industry, you know, you try to sell at the highest part of the market. But a lot of it comes down to the thesis under which someone buys it and everyone's got their own theory on what's the best way to buy real estate and what's the best time to sell. There's obviously unique success going on here. This isn't just your average old entrepreneur buying a few rental properties and and operating them. This became a very significant company, obviously. What, with respect to the philosophy, makes your company so uniquely successful? You know, one of the things I think that, that makes it successful, and this is, I think, an attribute that Andy Farb brought to the organization that's really taken us from a hometown organization to a tremendously successful institutional quality organization, is you know, he brought a Wall Street mentality to what we do, an institutional investment. And so prior to his coming there, our investment model was really what I like to call the pass-the-hat model, where friends and family would invest with us in assets. Now it's more of a fund asset approach where we have a couple of funds that we invest with or we invest our own dollars and we buy institutional quality assets. And that's one of the things that I think makes us unique, but also because we're not beholden to putting out money and uh, having to get a return or at least take in investments from people and have to invest in real estate at a given time, there's no force behind that. It allows us to be opportunistic. It allows us to be patient. And so we buy when Andy Farman finds the right asset that will make significant dollars for the organization over time. And I think it's our ability to be patient, which helps us more than others who, okay, we took in a million dollars, $5 million, whatever it is from investors. Now we've got to place that money in an asset and we have to do it in a certain amount of time. Sometimes that leads to the wrong decisions, the wrong purchase. And I love that we can in the wrong economy, we sit patiently and we tend and we farm. And then when the time comes, like, I think we're in a perfect economy right now, just on the precipice of challenges in the industry that will lead to opportunistic uh, investment for us where we can buy at a discounted rate and find those opportunities that will pay off better than having to just invest a few dollars 
every couple of minutes. Right, because there are factors under your control when you buy a property. Again, staying with that first bucket of making money in this business, those things are, you know, upgrades, getting the building fully leased out, getting occupancy optimized and so on, maximized, fully occupied. That's the goal anyway. Those are the kinds of things you can control and certainly others that can affect the outcome of the investment. But then there's also, and you alluded to it, kind of the macroeconomic climate that you're operating in. You can go for a ride, ride a wave of an accelerating economy. Absolutely. And you put the two together and you can get some really exciting outcomes, right? Yeah. When we look at industries, uh, there's, in my mind, there's no industry that's more exciting and opportunistic than commercial real estate. And that's why people love it. It's, it's a way that, you know, it creates generational wealth if you do it right. Absolutely. So let's go to the second bucket. The second bucket is where you are not owning the property, but you are managing the property for a client. Tell us how that works from a business standpoint. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes down to property management or just taking on clients' needs on their real estate, I really find that interesting. We, we handle anywhere from, you know, a mom and pop shopping center, a little strip mall that's, uh, you know, kind of a neighborhood strip mall all the way up to, you know, a million square feet, two million square foot class A office building. And the great part about it, when it's not yours, you really try to understand and help people with their strategy. So I love that, the planning aspect and the helpful nature of what we get to do for our clients, because it is different. Their theories may be different on how they want to operate, how they want to make their money. To me, it's fun and challenging because every client has a different desire. We try to bring in the expertise that we've got, but fashion our responses around what their needs are and what their expectations are. It's more than just cleaning the parking lot. It's more than just having janitorial come into the space. It's where can we add value and make sure that our clients are getting the best value for what they've paid. And which side of the business is the primary side of your business? This is the brilliance of what Bert created is that at certain times in the economy, each segment of it takes care of the company. So, you know, sometimes sales dry up and then leasing leads for us. Or management is saving the day because bread and butter work. And at times construction leads a charge for us. But at times we're more third party where we help others out and we've sold off assets. And other times we have more of our owned assets in the portfolio. But the nice nature is being full service some part is running at full speed at all times and we're always in good shape regardless of the economy regardless of where we are in the cycle it's just a fantastic thing about i don't know if it was intentional i like to think it was on bert's part to create it so that one spoke of that wheel is going perfectly at all times you're listening to the story of the farman group and how it became a behemoth success story in the real estate industry as told by company president andy gutman When we come back, you'll learn a little more about Andy. What does a president of a company that enjoys this kind of success do in his spare time? You write and publish children's books, of course. Andy Gutman does just that. His passion and side business, known as Gut Check Books. We're going to hear all about that passion of Andy's and more when we come back to Business Biography, right here on WJR. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome to today's featured story of how the Farman Group grew from the nascent company founded by Burt Farman in 1976 to the mega success story it is today, 
a company with billions in real estate assets and which now provides a full suite of services to its clientele. Now, Business Biography, of course, is a show that tells stories of how businesses became successful, but which also includes the human interest side of the people behind those businesses. Today, we're joined by Andy Gutman, president of the Farman Group. And of course, he's been telling us all about that company and how it achieved its level of success that it has. But the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship is that it comes in all shapes and sizes. Whatever one's passion can potentially become a business if a great entrepreneur puts his or her mind to achieving it. And Andy Gutman, outside of his role at Farman, has a side business writing and publishing children's books that business known as Gut Check Books. Andy, you're an interesting guy. Your interests in life extend beyond the role you fill at the Farman Group. Tell us about your passion for writing children's books. Yeah, so the, you know, the children's books, they spring, I've always been a, what I like to call a songwriter, which is kind of a misnomer because I wrote lyrics for many years to songs that I knew I couldn't sing because my singing voice is terrible. And I knew I couldn't instrumentally do because I'm not a musician. So I'd been doing it for years and I kind of got into the children's book side of it through the songs. And I started writing songs for my daughter and trying to put something together that I hoped one day I'd figure out how to make into real songs and then ultimately turn that into some of the songs into children's books for her with the idea of leaving a legacy for my daughter one day that she can look back on, read to her kids or her grandkids. And, you know, at the same time, I started producing some of those songs with real singers and instrumentalists and beat makers and a catalog of five, 600 songs that I've produced. And that was a passion play for you. But was it a business? Well, so it absolutely was a passion play. And I never thought, you know, it could be a business. But what I've learned over several years of doing it is that it certainly does produce dollars, and so it's not my primary goal in that. When I first started writing the books, I was working with a publishing company, and so I was investing time into the artwork in the books, and I was investing money into that, and I always said, well, if I make enough, or I pay back some of what I've you know, had to pay to work with it, I'll do the next one. And so I'm now on book seven, so it's taken care of itself over and over, but what I really found is that my hope of, you know, defining success as being a, you know, very profitable author is not really what I want. And I'd start to go to book readings with children and the first kid who, you know, his parents couldn't pay for, they couldn't pay for a book, they were getting that book for free. And to me, that's just the best part of what I do now is trying to make a difference in not only my daughter's life, she's now a college student, a Michigan State person just like me, but it's making a difference in children's lives. There's money to be made. And even in the songs, I've now licensed about 30 of the songs for use. Uh, none of them are radio play at the time. You might hear them on an elevator or in a movie or something. But there's dollars falling out from that. But to me, you know, the difference has really been uh, just being able to hopefully make the difference in one child's life or something to that effect. That's really amazing and speaks to who you are. Your company, that company is called Gut Check Books. It is. I love the name of that company. Thank you. Great brand. And so one of the things that business at the level at which you are engaged in, and I'm really more talking now on the farming side of things, it can wear you out. I mean, it's intense, right? I mean, it is. It's a pressure cooker. 
There's a lot of expectation. Standards are high when dealing with a family like the Fireman family that holds themselves to that same standard, no doubt. But you better keep pace if you're going to stay in the game at a company like that. Is there, both for you and for the Fireman family, a lot of ambition still driving the company forward? Or is it a company that, you know, in some, and this is not a commentary on good or bad or right or wrong, it's more just kind of the nature of things. Is it more on overdrive today and and people are doing other things and focused on other things? Or is there still a huge drive to grow this company? Yeah, I think if you asked any of us uh, what, you know, where we are today, there is no autopilot. We have no, you know, we are all type A you know, let's get that next level. And what does that look like? Um, and how do we better serve our clients? What's changing? You know, we're all we're all big technology geeks as well. So, you know, tech is driving real estate more than it ever has. And if you sit on the sidelines and just put things into autopilot, you're going to fall behind. So we are all super engaged, relentless in our strive to be better every day. And I would tell you that we get energy from it. And that's it's one of the things that I think we've all learned from businesses, if you're not enjoying what you do, if you don't love it, it's a drag every day on your, on your energy. And, you know, people who say, oh, I got to work today, we all come in and we go, we get to work today. And, you know, we get the joy of running this great company, taking care of our clients and our employees. And uh, there's no uh, auto drive here. We are pushing that gas pedal. As soon as you have a finish line in sight, you're pushing it out further and further and further. Absolutely. Yeah. What about you personally at the company? Do you see a lot more time there? Is this the way you're going to finish out your career? Any retirement plans in the future for a guy like you or no? You know, I I always find retirement to sound really horrible playing shuffleboard somewhere. I don't know, you know, gumming oatmeal for breakfast. It just sounds terrible to me. Uh, I work with a strategic coach with our company who wrote a book called Replacing Retirement. And it's really stuck with me because for many of us, there's nothing better. I love what I do. Why would I stop to do something that I might not love? And I get to do both things. I get my passion projects that I can do on the side and I I get to work uh, at a commercial real estate company where every day is energizing. I work for an iconic family. I think retirement sounds like a death sentence. What about the philanthropic positioning of the company and orientation and disposition? You guys are not only successful, but you love being part of a community to which you help enhance. Tell us ways you're focused on that. Yeah, so, you know, obviously the Farben family is very generous with all that they've made over the years and all that they've done, and they give back to the community more in a quiet way than anyone. You know, I know they don't like to bring attention to their giving. We have a lot of ways at Farben that we give to the community, we have a committee called Farbman Cares, which is all about making sure that we're giving back in the communities in which we work, live, and play. We have a diversity and inclusion committee to so make sure that we're focused on being a diverse organization and recognizing that the world is diverse and that we need to make sure we're including people of all races, colors, creeds, differences all together. We have a lot of different things that where we give back to the community in big ways. And so... Every day there's another community giving program going on from Farbman Cares. Every day we try to give back in other ways through the company. But, you know, we, uh, we just believe that's a part of who we have to be. If we're going to engage in any community and wherever we go, when we started expanding out into other Midwest communities, we did the same thing. We engaged with them and made sure that 
everything we do in Michigan, we're doing in those communities as well, because that's part of being part of that community is you have to give back to it. And so when you think about Farman's success, your personal success, business success in general, what really matters to you? What is success defined by for you? You've mentioned making money, other things being part of the equation, but not the primary focus. So I, I think you hit that. Money is, is so secondary. You know, we all need it to live. And so I would tell you that, you know, I'm not different than anyone else and that I'd like to make a living where I can afford to do the things I want to do. But that's secondary to what drives me in particular and drives our organization. I love that we take care of, you know, 200 families within our organization. And I love mentoring our people and making sure that they get growth, creating succession plans. Uh, I love giving back to the community in all the different ways that, that I can. That, to me, that's success. Um, being good partners to our vendors, caring about the well-being of our clients and making sure it's not just transactional and it never is. You know, to me, those people who go through and go, oh, I earned a fee from this client and then never check in with that client again, That's that to me isn't success. It's making sure that five years, ten years, two days from now, whatever their needs are, at their height, at their lowest point, we're there for them. And that's what drives me. That success is, is being that good partner, neighbor, employer. All of that means a lot. Well, then by any measure, you and the Farman Company are certainly a great success. We appreciate you being on with us today. Andy Gutman, thanks for sharing your story and the story of the Farman Group. Thank you, Andy. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to WJR's Business Biography, today featuring the story of success behind the Farman Group, as told to us by our guest today, Andy Gutman. Not only did we hear about Andy's leadership role at the Farman Group and how that company became the success story that it has, we learned a little bit about Andy, too, the great man behind that important role at the Farman Group and his side business, writing children's books. Hope you've enjoyed our show today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to Business Biography on the great voice of the Great Lakes, 760 WJR.